0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm a lead pastor. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. My bad.
1: I'm Johnny, one of our pastors. We, we messed it up for service, and I was trying to be right in there again to introduce myself, and I messed go it ahead, up. Go ahead, Johnny. I'm Johnny. I'm one of our pastors. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, anything else you uh, want to say?
1: Nope. Not today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, was too, I was too eager. I was like, ah. You were. You were so excited to say your name. <laughs> Our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, before before we get going today... Hi, I'm Johnny. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we uh, want to let you know next week we're going to uh, do a child dedication. So if, you, uh, if you've never dedicated uh, your child, we'd love to do that. Uh, you can get more information online. Uh, It's just a great way. It's kind of a practice we see in the Old Testament. It's a great way to just give over our our child and uh, dedicate him or her to God. Um, and, uh, and what he wants for their life. And so we'd love to be a part of that and celebrate that with you. If you want more information, just go uh, onto our website. Today, uh, we're doing things a little bit differently, obviously, uh, we are, uh, we're closing out our Losing My Religion series uh, where we've been talking about how do we reevaluate and restructure our faith and faith beliefs and all of that. Man, this has been a powerful, powerful series. Uh, I, I've never gotten so much feedback on a series. Um, uh, John, I know Pastor Johnny got a ton after last week's as well, And I just want to say thank you, church. Thank you for being a place where uh, people can wrestle with some hard things, uh, wrestle with um, uh, hard faith topics and doubts and struggles and, and all of that. And some of you have been very honest with us. Some of you have completely disagreed with us. And that's OK. Like we uh, we want this to be a safe place for you to be able to discern what God's trying to do in your life and in your heart. And today we're going to wrap it up by doing a Q&A. Um, and this Q and A, uh, there's a ton of questions that we've we said, hey, just text in questions. Or some of you guys responded on some uh, some social media posts that we did, and uh, so we've got a bunch of questions that we're going to hit on. There were a bunch of questions that were sent in last week or uh, last service, and you can text in uh, questions anytime during the service. We'll see them. That's why we have our computers up here, so we're we'll see them. Not just
1: texting each other or anything on here. We're, we're, we actually have your questions ready to look at.
0: So. That's right. That's right. So um, if you have questions, just put. Them those out. A few questions we hit last service that we probably won't hit again this service. So if you want those questions, just go look, listen to uh, or watch last uh, service's um, uh, message. Uh, we talked about, uh, somebody asked questions about aliens, uh, dinosaurs, um, uh, Noah, and some questions regarding him. Um, what else? Discerning God's voice. That was a really good one. Uh, another good one, somebody asked about like uh, if you grew up in a Christian home, um, then what's to say you're any different than somebody who grew up in a Muslim home in Afghanistan? How do we know one is different than the other and who's, who's to say one is right and one's wrong? So we address that as well. Um, so text in questions if you got them. We're going to address a few that we uh, we got a bunch throughout the last couple of weeks, and we've just kind of put them into categories. So we're going to address those individually. So Pastor Johnny, you're up.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna start. First thing I want to say is that we have a resources page on our website. We're going to put a slide up for you guys. Um, no matter who you are, where you are in your faith, how long you've been a Christian, I want to encourage you to go to the resources page. Um, if, number one, if you send a question in this morning and we can't get to it, I I feel like there's probably going to be something that can help you on that page. Or even if you don't send a question in, I guarantee There is something on that page that will help you grow in your faith. So please go ahead and text that, um, get the link to that page, check it out. There's stuff for understanding the Bible, growing in your faith, very specific issues, things like that. So please check that out. Um, So the first question that I'm going to hit here uh, was asked why are there so many different views on Christianity and churches, and how do you find the right one, the right church? So um, the interesting thing about our faith is that we've been fighting and splitting since almost the beginning. Like, we've been arguing about theology and views on Jesus and all that stuff since right from the start. Um, early, I think in the third century or in the 300s, um, there was a, a major disagreement, a major church split over The deity of Jesus. Is Jesus God himself? Is he a part of the Trinity um, or is he a lesser God to God the Father? And there was a major argument about that. They had to address it at the Council of Nicaea. Um, It lasted for about a hundred years, the folks who who felt like Jesus was a lesser God, Um, and then it kind of died out. So real, real early on, um, we were arguing about stuff. And then all throughout history, churches have been splitting and starting over um, some good things, Some not-so-good things like preferences and outright sin or just theological differences or practical differences. Um, Henry VIII started the Church of England for two reasons. Number one, to establish the autonomy, the political autonomy of um, England. And side benefit, he could have the divorce that the Catholic Church wouldn't get him. So not such a good reason to start a church, but he did. Um, And then I I Googled the other day, there's like 45,000 denominations around the globe right now. And that's not churches, that's denominations that oversee churches. There are a lot of different views. Many of them have been like, ah, we don't agree on the way that you do baptism, or we don't agree on this non-essential issue. Um, It's easier than ever to start your own church these days, to just like pop up, we're going to get a bunch of people and, and call it a church. That doesn't make it biblical or theologically sound. Um, I, we are also laughing last service, the word easy to start a church is not quite uh, the right way to say it, but you guys understand what I mean. Um, so how do you find the right one? What I would say to that is you need to learn essentials. What are the orthodox beliefs about Jesus, the Bible, salvation, faith in Christ? What are the essentials that have been the essentials? For the length of our faith, the the over two thousand years that we've been trying to figure this thing out um, together, what are the essentials that we can agree on? And if you're checking out a church, what do they say about those things? Where do they land on some of these things? Um, and then I would say the there's many many different important things in finding a church, but I would say looking at their essentials and then figuring out if the fruit of the spirit is evident in that church. If you can find a theologically sound church. And then you look and go, man, are they exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the way through um, the fruit of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5? If you can see that being lived out in the people, you've probably found a pretty good church that's theologically sound, and they're actually exhibiting what, what Scripture tells us comes from the life of a follower of Jesus. If you can find those two things, then I think you can start... Uh, looking at the stuff that we we tend to put at top priority, the more preferential, uh, do I like their worship style, all, do I like the way they do Bible studies or community groups, all those things that we tend to put as a top priority really don't need to be a top priority. Um, I've had some conversations with folks uh, throughout this series. They, they shared, like, they went to a church um, for years that they really didn't love the worship style um, and and feel like they were necessarily getting stretched a lot in their faith, but their kids were plugged in, and their kids were growing, and they made a choice to stay at this church because of what it was doing in their kids' lives, and they were growing and committed followers of Jesus, doing their own, their own work with him, and they stayed committed to a theologically sound church that they didn't necessarily feel like they fully loved, but it was doing something in their kids' lives. So I would say that we need to take the preferences and put them like third, fourth, fifth sometimes, and look for doctrine, theology, fruit of the spirit. Um, anything to add on
0: that? I would just say that every church is like a family and every family has issues uh, and every family has like a crazy uncle or a crazy aunt or something like that. I'm the um, crazy
1: uncle just so you're just so apparently we're clear.
0: yeah yes uh and so you give your family grace uh give give the church grace as well and make it better like be a part dive in make it better yeah All right, second question was about uh, miracles. Um, And do they really happen or are they just stories that were told? And kind of like some of the big ones, this person was, uh, or these uh, people were referencing, like some of the ones you see in the Old Testament. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't grow up up learning all these like cool stories about Bible characters and whatnot. But I remember when I first came to Christ and I was told about this guy named Daniel uh, and he got thrown into a lion's den. I'm like, yo, tell me more about that story. Um, And it's kind of a crazy one, right? Like instead of bowing down to the king, Uh, He would only bow down to God. He would only worship God. So they throw him into a lion's den to basically be mauled to death. Uh, They come back the next day and he's alive. He's good to go. God shut up, uh, shut the mouths of the lions. And so just kind of a a crazy miracle story. Do those still happen today? And I would say yes. Yes. Um, sometimes in big ways and many, many times God does miracles in smaller ways. Like I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people have their sight restored. I've seen like, like my, my own personal journey. I had a disease for 19 years and God completely healed me of it immediately. Just overnight. Uh, I was at a church and just said, God, take this. And boom, he took it. So I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, but usually the miracles are a lot smaller uh, and they happen in, in, uh, in everyday things. And I would say that if you're looking for a massive miracle, um, turn your attention to the today miracle. So what God is doing, what is a miracle? A miracle is anything God chooses to do. So whatever God chooses to do, it's a miracle. So what is God choosing to do in your life today? Because before you get to Daniel in the lion's den, you have a whole lot of other miracles that God did in Daniel's life and that he was doing in that time period before you ever get to him being thrown into a lion's den and God shutting the mouths of lions. So before you see the big miracle, you see all these small God-sized or god sized or God miracles, look for those. Ask God, say, God, today show me a miracle you're doing in my life. Show me something that you're, some way that you're moving and then give God the glory and the credit for that thing, even if it's small. Um, I had a buddy a month ago that came to me and said, hey man, I think I'm gonna quit my job uh, because my boss, his boss is not a believer. He's a believer. and he said, uh, he's, he's asking me to do things that are, are not godly, that are not uh, biblical. And uh, I said, so what do you think you need to do? And he's like, well, that's why I'm coming to you. Uh, I was like, all right, so let's talk through this. And um, come to find out his boss is now putting these like crazy goals. He's a salesman. It's crazy goals on him basically so he won't meet them, so he can fire him. So he's just trying to, you know, uh, another way around trying to get rid of, uh, of my buddy. And so I said, well, what if, what if this is like a... A Daniel in the lion's den type of situation. Like, what if God wants you there and he's gonna show up in a powerful way? So he stayed, he decided to stay with the company as as of now. And he texted me last week and he said, Hey man, so my goal was crazy. And he told me what the goal was, and I was like, I don't even know how you're gonna do that. And he surpassed it by 30%. And it's just God doing, yeah, God just doing small things. Like no one would say, Oh man, how was that lion? You know, like But that's exactly what happened. Like God showed a miracle, did a miracle in a powerful way just because of his faith. So God's doing miracles in your life. Ask God to show you
1: today. Amen. Uh, Another question we got is, is the Bible the literal, inerrant, infallible word of God? Now that's a lot of big words. Um, If you don't know what they mean or what we're talking about here, basically we're, we're talking about the authenticity. Can we trust the Bible? Is the is the Bible authentic um, and can we trust it? And to that, I would say emphatically, yes. Um, many people have, have tried to come against the validity, the truthfulness of the Bible in the last couple of hundred years. Um, most of the claims that I've seen have fallen short and have answers to them that we can find from uh, biblical scholars and, and people who are doing the work in that area. I think um, we need to be careful sometimes when we talk about what the Bible says as absolutely true in non-essentials. So a lot of times in non-essentials, we'll talk about inerrancy um, of what scripture says, but what we actually mean is the inerrancy of our interpretation of what scripture says. So we have to be very careful in non-essentials. There are many, many, many different things in scripture and in the life of the church that people who are faithful, Bible-believing followers of Jesus, that, that they can see differently. So. Just a few examples, like how do we baptize? What counts as a baptism? Do you have to be fully immersed to be baptized? Can it be a sprinkle or a pour? Um, How do you take communion, and how often do you take communion? I know us doing communion here every week is odd for some people and things like that. Um, Women in ministry, women in leadership. There are many, many different things that we can see differently, and we have to be careful to not treat our interpretation of Scripture um, as as the inerrant interpretation, um, especially in the non-essentials. Now, again, back to the the doctrine and the um, sound theology of a church, you've got to look at and do some study on what the church throughout history has believed and continues to believe about the essentials of our faith. Um, Two recommendations I would give for this um, is, number one, get yourself a good study Bible. I don't mean just a Bible um, that you've had since you were like six or whatever. I mean a good Bible that you can understand and that has commentary notes. Like I brought this one. You guys aren't going to be able to see it, but there's commentary notes down at the bottom of this. This is the um, Tony Evans study Bible. Pastor Ernest gave it to me very graciously as a gift. He also has one. It's a really, really good Bible. Um, I also have an ESV study Bible. Um, This just helps you as you're reading scripture and praying for God to speak. That you can go, I don't understand this. What does this guy say about it? What, what do these theologians say about what the scripture means? And you've got some very helpful answers right there at the bottom of the page that can help you. So get a, a good study Bible. Now, I actually have one right behind my computer here. Someone donated this to the church. Who does not have a good study Bible and wants one? Run up here if you don't have it. You guys are being real shy. Everyone in the room has a study Bible? Okay, there right, you go. There we Thank go. You. Thank you. There Thank we you. go. Congratulations, Amanda! You are now the winner of that Bible. She
0: should have made you run out there. She sh- I'm sorry, I should have run she should that. She said, out to "Come you. to me."
1: So, get yourself a good study Bible. Um, we, we've got again on the resources page. There's a couple uh, links to some on there. The other thing that I would say is get. Um, I can't find it. There it is, back there. Uh, I read this book called Seven Things I Wish Christians Knew About the Bible." I read this back in the fall by uh, Dr. Michael Bird. He's an Australian um, theologian, professor, and Anglican priest. This is less than 200 pages. 10 15 bucks gives you an excellent overview on these things that we're talking about, the inerrancy of the Bible, the infallibility, how the Bible was put together, um, how they decided what to include, what not to include, what it means that the original authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is an excellent book. And again, there's a link to that on that resources page. So if you're interested in this topic, if you've never done any study on like, how was the Bible put together? What, what was that like? All that kind of stuff. This is a really, really great book. Um, to check out for that. So get yourself a good study Bible, get a resource like that, and it can help you with some of these topics.
0: Yeah, another good one is the, uh, the Bible Project. If you go, if you, again, if you text that resources, um, then you'll see a bunch of resources on there, and the Bible Project is phenomenal and walks you through how do you, how do you trust the Bible? How do you trust that it is inerrant and it is infallible and all of that stuff? So uh, go check that out as well. Um, next question, uh, and Johnny, I'm gonna add some of the uh, the live ones in here with this one because I think it's pretty pertinent. The next question is, why did God allow this pain in my life? Um, and uh, we've gotten uh, three or four texts in the last five minutes that are very similar to that, and uh, questions about being mad at God. Um, and I'll just first say I'm sorry. I mean, whatever pain you you're walking through right now, whatever you have gone through. I don't believe that was ever God's intention with our world. I don't believe that was ever the intention. And I can give you a logical explanation. I could talk about sin. I could talk about your sin and my sin and the sin of other people and, you know, how messed up this world is. And um, God one day will will bring it all um, to restoration and he will heal it all. But right now we live in a very broken and fallen world, which means we're all going to experience pain. And so a few said, hey, is it okay to be mad at God? And I, I would say it this way. If you're mad at God, then it's not okay to not be mad at God. Meaning that God wants you to be real. Right? God wants you to be who you are. Like you can't, you can't not be mad at God if you're mad at God. Right? Like God's not like, oh, wow, you tricked me. Like I had no clue. I had
1: no idea you were mad at me.
0: I had no clue. Like that was great. I'm so surprised. So it's Okay. It's okay, meaning that God loves you. And God sees you. I remember watching this movie a long time ago, and I, I just accepted Christ. And so I'm trying to like work out my my theology and, and all this stuff. And um and and I won't tell you the movie because I don't it's probably not edifying, but uh there's this guy and like he's in his like like uh, like attic room type thing and he's just like yelling at God. He's been through some crazy stuff, he's just yelling. And I remember like people in the movie like you can't do that you shouldn't do that and I'm like God's a big boy. Like he can take your yelling. He can take your screaming. He can take your anger. And here's what I'll say if you're walking through some pain or if you're mad at God or anything like that like you need some things that will anchor you. Okay? Because if not then for me when my emotions get the best of me, I go down some like places I don't want to go. You know, like I start thinking crazy things. And I start acting crazy ways and all of that. And so I need to be anchored. And so let me give you just three verses when I'm walking through pain and I'm walking through sorrow or I'm angry or whatever. These are three verses that I have to hold on onto. Uh, one is Hebrews thirteen five that says, God will never leave you or forsake you ever. No matter what you've done, no matter what you do, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Even when everybody else does. Even when others walk away from you in your life, he will never. Now, it doesn't mean that you always feel him. It doesn't mean that you always hear him. It doesn't mean that you can always sense his presence, but I'll guarantee you he's right now walking through this situation with you. Why did it happen? Again, I can give you logical explanations, but that does no good when you're walking through pain and sorrow and hurt. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares like you don't serve some God that's like uh, uh, up in heaven, just totally distant from you. Like, man, just get your act together. If you just get your act together, do the right things then you'll have a good life and all of that. That's kind of like this, this fallacy of, uh, of, of, of faith belief is that if we just all do the right things, then good things should come. Right? Like I hear that. I've heard that so many times over the years. Like I do the right things. I believe in God. Why is not good stuff happen to me? Like that's not how it works. God's not a vending machine. Like faith's not a vending machine. So there's going to be pain that comes out. There's going, to be, there's going to be sorrow that happens. But cast your anxiety upon him because he cares. Even if it feels like in the moment he doesn't. Or if he did, and why didn't he stop this and all of that? He cares. And then lastly, Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This is like one of my anchor verses. Like in everything in life, this verse, I have to hold on to that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means that God in this in this trial and this tribulation and this pain, that God somehow will use it for good. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I wish there was like a, a little extra part of that verse that was like within 3 months you'll see the good that God's going to cause. But it's not how that works. And I would say most of the time, I don't, Pastor Johnny might be saying for you, most of the time the pain that I've walked through, it usually takes years. Sometimes maybe months, but usually it's years to just go, oh, now I see God working. And I probably would have never chosen that pain, but I'll choose the outcome now. Whether because it led to growth for me or it led to ministry to others or whatever the case may be. And, but when you're in the midst of the pain, like, I mean, you probably can't see the good right now, but I got to hold on to it. I gotta like anchor myself that good will come out of this and I don't know when and I don't know how, but Lord God, I believe that you're with me. I believe that you care about me. So you're going to turn this thing into good some way, somehow. So I will trust that. So if you're walking through that right now, I'm sorry. The pain is real. The anger is real. But so is your God. And he'll never leave you. He cares deeply about you. And he will Somehow, some way, at some time, make good out of it.
1: I would also just add um, an emphasis on the value of community um, for all of us. I mean, we talk about community a lot, it's one of our values here as, as a church, but especially in those painful moments um, when, when we're dealing with all this junk and these like mad at God, all that kind of stuff, I get it. Um, I would I would just really encourage you to lean in on community, to surround yourself with people that you can be real with and say, I am so angry right now, and here's why, and I'm so frustrated, and I'm so sad about this, and, and have people around you that will not judge you and uh, can hear you out and can also say, I'm with you, and I'm not going to give up on you, and I'm going to help you. Um, that is such a huge thing for us in those painful moments. So um, if you have community around you, open up, be honest, tell people when you're struggling, let them help you because we are the representation of Jesus on the earth. We are the body of Christ. This is what it's supposed to be like, that we help each other, that we love one another um, in in the darkest times and in the greatest times. Um, So let's let's do some live ones here, Ernest. Um, One that we got... This will be real quick. Do you like In-N-Out? Yes. Uh, And if you're working at the new In-N-Out or managing or owning, I will take free food. (laughs) So, no? Are you about to say no to this? I
0: mean, okay, if you work there or manage it, yes. If not, (laughs) it's okay.
1: Get out of here. All right. Next question. Just because they have
0: scripture on the cups doesn't make it, like, amazing.
1: Next question. Still, uh, still messed up my blessed. stomach. That food is blessed just like Chick fil A's. I blessed. waited
0: for outside for two hours and it tasted like a better McDonald's.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm about to lose my sanctification. Just saying. Oh, you're
0: clapping? You, thank people, you. people are thank clapping? You, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. That's because they're a uh, Whataburger people. Let's, yeah, or whatever. Waterburgers, <laughs> Yeah. Whoa. You know <laughs> that's what that that's says? That's a lot of Texas. That's a lot right of Texas right there. That's, right right there. that's right there. a lot of Texas. <laughs> Wow, we have more uh, Texans than Californians apparently, next, or louder.
1: <laughs> next serious question: Most of the Front Range pastors have beards, but not Pastor Ernest. Is this a faith issue?
0: All right. I, so I literally was having this conversation with somebody last service. Because he has a crazy, amazing mustache. And he was like, why don't you grow something? And I'm like, I can't grow anything. You
1: don't want to see it when he tries. I'll, I'll just let you I know. I had to
0: play Jesus in this thing called the thorn. And like, so they gave me four months to grow my facial hair out. And then they had to come back and color it all in. Because it was so bad. So that's, it is a spiritual issue, apparently. It's a, it's
1: a faith issue. He doesn't believe enough. All right, so actual, actual real question. And I, I think it's a really good question. Uh, how do you know you're really saved? And can you lose your salvation? Um, I, I, I grew up in a legalistic church that was very much like, man, if you mess up, God is mad and you better watch out. And so I grew up with this fear um, as a young kid that if I, if I wasn't right with God every moment of every day and I got hit by a car or something, I'd go to hell. Um, that's not the way it works, <laughs> just, to, just to say that. Thank God. Um, thank the <laughs> Lord, right? Um, Faith in Christ is a decision, it's a commitment, but it's also a walk. And so I, I, would, I would say, first of all, if you're even asking this question, I think you're okay. Um, I, I think you're fine. I think God has got you. Um, and, but, but losing your salvation is a very tricky issue because we don't see a person's heart um, all we can see is what they're doing, right? All we can see is fruit of the Spirit and how they're living their life. And the New Testament, Paul's letters, has a lot to say about fruit and living out our faith, serving, loving people. Um, so I try to back away from judging other people's faith um, and, and just think about my own and, and trusting in the Lord that he's got me um, and, and looking at other people with grace and compassion and thinking, I don't know their heart. I don't know where they're at with the Lord. Um, all I can judge is the fruit, and I hope that the fruit improves or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know if you have anything to add on that.
0: No, I think that's great. I, it, to me, um, when it comes to others and even myself, I just I just try to view myself and everybody else as, like, we're all on a journey, and we all need to grow. Um, but as it pertains to, like, losing your own salvation... For me personally, and this is you know, debatable, and we're actually gonna do a series on Ephesians that has, uh, starting next week, that has some of these uh, topics in there. Um, but the, the Bible talks about there's a book of life and your name is written in it. And to me, that's written in blood, not in pencil. Uh, so I don't think that you can, um, you can wipe that out.
1: Yeah. Do you see any other ones in here you wanna hit on?
0: Um, that, there's a question that says, how do I know that I love God? And I think it's um, a really good question. To me, love is a commitment uh, that would be like, how do I know that I love my wife? I'm committed to her. Um, and it, each and every day, doesn't matter what she does. It doesn't matter what I do. doesn't matter the circumstances we're walking through. Uh, if I love her, I'm committed to her. So I would just ask the question, am I committed to God? Um, and there's a lot that goes along with that. So that's a, that's a heavy, heavy question. Um, uh, but I would just say, uh, do you have a commitment to him? And if so, then uh, they probably show some love there, and then I would I would say look at the fruit of the spirit as well. Do you have that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Something else? Something faithfulness, else? Faithfulness, goodness. goodness. There's nine yeah. of them. I tried to
1: memorize them the other day. If you if
0: you have all that, then uh, then then I think it's a pretty good indication.
1: All right, so let me hit the last question here. Um, and just as a reminder, as we wrap up, if we haven't gotten to yours, um, resources uh, is a good spot to go to and look for stuff there. And also, um, our community groups and our pastors, we're available. We're here. We love having these conversations. So if there's something that you're like, I'm, you didn't get to it and I need, I need an answer. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's, let's, figure, let's figure out how we can dig into God's word together. Um, so the last one. That can we'll we hit hear, one more? Sorry. Yes, we'll hit one more. Go for it. Uh,
0: so one says, and when, I've gotten this one a couple times over the last uh, week or two, uh, what can I do when my spouse has lost uh, his or her religion? Um, man, what a, um, what a powerful question. Shows your heart. Um, I would also say what a painful question um, because that's hard. It's hard to uh, walk through. I I think the most powerful thing you can do is pray, uh, and show them the example of Christ and everything that you do. Uh, There's a a great book called uh, *The Case for Christ*, and uh, written by a guy named Lee Strobel. And Lee Strobel was an atheist, uh, was a investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, I think. Um, And his wife uh, got saved, and he's like, "Nope, that's not happening in my house." Uh, and she's like, let me just live this out and see what happens. And, uh, and it's cool hearing Lee talk about it because his wife changed. Uh, and his wife um, um, began displaying the fruit of the spirit and began loving him and showing him grace and, and things like that. And he was like, I need to investigate this. So he started his own investigation, which led to him becoming a follower of Christ and then making millions off of that. I wish that would have been my story. Um, but uh, So if your spouse is there, then uh, prayer is your most powerful weapon. Again, we'll talk about that in the next series as well. Um, but also love them uh, by displaying the fruit of the Spirit in front of them as well. And then, man, if they're willing, like, let's have conversations. Like, I've met with a lot of dudes over the years that their spouse was like, will you meet with my husband? I'm like, does he want to meet? Um <laughs> And if so, man, we have that conversation. And I've, I've had the privilege of leading so many men to Christ in our church um, and in my, the, the past ministry as well. And, um, and so if you're there, if that's where your husband's at, that's where your wife's at, and they're willing to have a conversation, and go back to what Pastor Johnny just said, we'd love to have that as pastors. We'd, like that's why we do ministries to help people come to faith in Christ and grow in that relationship, so...
1: Yeah, Uh, last question we'll hit here. How do you put up boundaries so that others don't negatively impact your faith or your view of people? And I love love both pieces of this question. Um, uh, The boundaries to keep your faith from being impacted and to keep your view of people from being impacted. Um, I would say first thing, um, to check your rhythms um, and what's sometimes called spiritual disciplines in your own life. So, um, the opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus is that we get to live out our faith, just like He was just saying, um, in a in a culture that is not following Jesus, that is not um, full of the fruit of the Spirit, and not seeking after God. We get that opportunity, but also the world can be kind of uh, oppressive and, and difficult and things like that. But the the weapon that we have is our our rhythms of digging into scripture, and spending time in prayer with God. And those two things, um, studies have shown, are the most important factors to our faith in Christ and helping us grow. So I would say um, to create boundaries, those are the first boundaries for you in your own individual life. When and how am I digging into God's word? When and how am I digging into his presence in prayer? Um, setting those rhythms and those boundaries can then help you, but it, it helps you make decisions in your own life, right? Like if you, if you are committed to a certain time of the day to go pray or to read scripture, that helps you make decisions around that and it creates those boundaries. Um, I would also, say that you need a rhythm of deep inner examination in the presence of God to examine and to allow him to speak into sin, past hurts and hang-ups and emotions and things that we've buried. And the reason I say this is not only does it help us in our faith in Christ and growing um, as, as followers of Jesus, it also helps us in our view of other people. So I say this as a self-professed, critical, negative person. Some of the most impactful um, punch-in-the-face moments that I've gotten from God in a graceful, loving way, by the way, um, have been when I have had to come to terms with my feelings and my judgments and my criticisms of other people, and God's gone, hey, you're not so hot either, you know. Um, And I've had to sit there and go, oh, wow, I am a jerk. You're right. And then that has helped me look at other people with, I hope, the eyes that God would hopefully see them uh, with kindness and compassion and love. And so no matter what other people are doing or saying or acting like around me, if I'm having my time in scripture, my time in God's presence and prayer, and I'm allowing him to search me, to know me, to, to dig stuff up out of my heart, it then allows me to approach other people in humility and say, I'm a mess, they're a mess, I need Jesus, they need Jesus, let me just love them as best I can. So those are, those are the things that I would encourage um, for living out our faith kind of in the, in the world around us is the rhythms and the, the spiritual disciplines in our lives and then allowing God to search us and know us and, and uh, convict us and humble us um, in our own sin so that we can keep a, a humble view of other people. Anything to add? Anything to say before we close? No, uh, i
0: just say thank you guys again. I mean, thanks for sending in questions and, and it's hard because you don't know if you're going to get called out by name or something like that. And um, I just appreciate each one of you and your desire to, to be here and to grow. And uh, again, our prayer is that this will be a church where uh, you can wrestle with those things and um, we're willing to have those conversations and, and help you along in the journey. It's a journey for all of us. Um, but as we continue to pursue him, uh, we'll get closer to him and, uh, and our faith will be strengthened.
1: Yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to just just open it up, Lord, and and go whatever direction you would have us go. God, I thank you that this is a place that we are a church that um, is willing to do this and not shy away from difficult topics or the the potential weirdness or any of that, God. And I know that you're not afraid of the tough questions either, God. You're not uh, you're not nervous about our emotions or our feelings or our thoughts toward towards you, God. You are big enough and good enough and faithful enough. God, I thank you that uh, we just have this opportunity to be together in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us, whether we've been a Christian for decades or we're checking this whole thing out for the first time and we're trying to figure out faith in Christ and what that looks like. And we have all these questions. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us in this moment. I know that you have a next step for each of us. God, give us a clear direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.